Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by Ra Ra Consulting and the Ra Ra Spirit Team Mentorship. Hey, it's Lauren here. I'm an expert in time management, content creation, and mindset work. My day job is working with overwhelmed or unmotivated business owners or service providers who want to get organized and motivated and review their current business practices so that they can kick start their journey to further success. You know, the average person with an average life lives 27,350 days. And even though we know that we just shape shift into something different after our time is done here, I believe that making use of your time and living the life of your dreams, which is a life of flow and bliss, is so incredibly important. And I want to help you do that. I can help you through business and life challenges. I can help you to, you know, change your mindset, to create time for self-care, to look at your dreams and to create a roadmap to help you get there. Also through the Raw Raw Spirit team, I offer group mentoring as well. So if one-on-one is not your thing, you're interested in more of a group scenario, then that would definitely be an option for you. All the details can be found in the show notes. You can also head to my website at rawrawconsulting.com or you can send me a DM on Instagram or on Facebook at any time to see whether or not working together is uh, maybe a good fit for both of us. All right, time for the episode. Welcome to the show. My name is Lauren and I'm joined today by Christopher Renstrom. He is the creator of rulingplanets.com, an online astrology site based on his best-selling book, Ruling Planets, which is published by HarperCollins in 2002 and has sold out its print run. Yes, Chris. He currently writes in the daily. (laughs) Put your hands in the air. He currently writes the daily horoscope for the San Francisco Chronicle and sfgate.com. He also lectures on the history of astrology in America from pre-revolution to modern times, which is his specialty. And he runs Ruling Planet workshops around the country. Christopher's latest book, The Cosmic Calendar, is published by Tarche Perigi. An imprint of Penguin Random House. Christopher is also the weekly horoscope columnist for Astrology Hub. And uh, I'm going to give you all his contact information, of course, at the end of the show, or you can just sneak a peek and look in the show notes now. So on the show today, Chris is joining me to talk about the cosmic calendar and how you can use astrology to make the most of your booms, recover from your bus and live a fully realized life. Chris, welcome to the show. I am so happy to have you you here. I'm so happy to be here. So I have to give you some major props right off the top, my friend, because when I first started okay. reading your book, The Cosmic Calendar, I started reading it and it was like from the first page, I was just hooked. I was already into it. I was so interested in how time came to be, how we, why we use planets and why we, you know, have 365 days and a quarter of the year. And I just thought that you delivered all that information in just such a palatable and interesting way that layman's like myself can understand it. Because I guess when I think about astrology, sometimes when I've spoken with astrologists, 
they know the material so well, but because I'm not very familiar with it, I, I feel lost, like they're speaking a new language. So thank you so much for writing such an amazing book. We're going to be talking a lot about that book today. And for our listener at home, I can just tell you right now, if you want to make the most of your life, we are going to show you how in this conversation, because it is going to be great. So Chris, tell me a bit about when your passion or is an obsession, how did it start with that, with, you know, in regards to astrology? Um, it actually started with my mom bringing home astrology books in the, um, <clears throat> late 1960s <laughs> when your when your parents were born okay <laughs> my parents were born in the and 50s she, but thank you okay okay <laughs> and she would be like and 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 I had four brothers and she and 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 she'd love she'd be like you know why don't you read to me about my sun sign Sagittarius while I'm cooking you know and so I'd sort of like sit there in the kitchen and read aloud you know about Sagittarius and she'd be like that sounds like me that doesn't sound like so so it was this kind of like fun thing you know this fun activity that we that we did together and then I think she was perhaps maybe a frustrated astrologer or something because she would get like astrology jigsaw puzzles there was this fantastic like 1960s hate Ashbury-esque astrology coloring book, you know, that had sort of like a hippie versus, you know, mixed in with Islamic design to it or something like that. Oh, and, wow. and so, and so she was kind of like, she was kind of like putting all of this in, but never really saying, go and be an astrologer or something like that. So, so I always had a fascination for it. I think the other thing that I was fascinated by with it was its appearance in the history of art. You know, um, oh, astrology yes. shows up in churches and synagogues and, you know, all of the all, all of this painting and then folk art and things like that. So it was just so it just captured my imagination. So, um, you know, when I went to New York City at the age of 18 and uh, to study at the Juilliard School of Drama, um, one of the other students said, hey, there's someone teaching an astrology class on the Upper West Side. You want to go take it? And, you know, you're 18 and an idiot. So you're like, sure <laughs> you know and and I just happened to have met like the most fabulous teacher mentor that one could hope to meet mm. at a great age which was 18 and um I just soaked it up it was a wonderful time the early 80s was a wonderful time to be learning astrology here in the states because it was right at the beginning of um the new age, you know, craze, which was, which was starting out. Um, and, and so, and, and New York was just full of this and, and it was just really, really fantastic. I fell in love with the language and the imagery and, and the reading experience. That's so wonderful. It's so funny how sometimes all the planets, no pun intended, align for us <laughs> to really follow our path and it sounds to me like maybe you're always destined to be although when relate when we're talking about astrology is there destiny or or not is there free right <laughs> right exactly well and 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 that's a and that's a big question um it was saint augustine who actually connected astrology to um uh, 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 something that 
took away your free will. And that's because St. Augustine, uh, before he converted to Christianity and then goes on to become, you know, such a significant figure in Christianity, before then he was kind of like what we called, I hope it's okay to say on your show, but he's kind of what we called an astrology hoe. You know, he would go to astrologers and soothsayers all the time and he read up on astrology and had his fortune told, you know, count, countless times and things like that. And, that. and he was really, really into it. You know, and like someone who's a smoker who quits cigarettes, you know, like becomes anti, you know, all of that when he converts to Christianity. Right. And in, um, in, in a City of God, he writes these scathing uh, uh, passages about astrology and really connects it to fate and destiny. And this was a superstition, pagan religions. Mm. But actually, that was not um, the outlook on astrology at all. Um, in the uh, uh, in in the earlier periods, astrology was seen more as um, weather, um, and that your fate your your fate or your destiny would go up and down, like the weather would go up and down. And so it was actually the fact that you had these planets that you could follow that would return to the same place in the sky that they were, you know, maybe a year later or several years later, this gave a sense of consistency and stability. This gave a sense that the universe was ordered, you know, and so calendars come from astrology, uh, the whole division of the year into the four seasons, uh, into the equinoxes and the solstices. This all comes from astrology. So it was really more about syncing up to your time or your place in time than it was about good or bad destiny or born under a good or bad star. Right. Do you know what you made me think of when you were talking there? And I don't know if I'm reaching too far here, but one of the things that came to mind there was the, the fact that when you know your chart or this information or you're paying attention, that it actually is empowering you know, I think oh, yeah. you kind of understand a little bit more about when to plant and when to, I, I'm, I'm missing my right, right, right. Here. When to, when to sow and when to reap. That's, That's from right. Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Um, and actually it was funny, the person, not the person, but you know, I just read, he, he was writing about Ernest Hemingway was very much influenced by Ecclesiastes, you know, the, the writing style of it. And it's, and it's a beautiful book in, in, in the Bible where it talks about living in your season, um, living in your time, that there's a time to sow, there's a time to reap. Yeah. And this was exactly the pragmatic that was applied by ancient civilizations that had astrology uh, because you would if you worked out a time to plant right or or, or 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 a time to reap it also made sense that there would be a good time to um, conceive a child or to marry or to build a temple or to send your ships out for trade uh, so that they would come back full of, you know, goods rather than having been shipwrecked on some foreign shore. Uh, so this idea of living in time is actually a very uh, traditional sense of astrology. And, you know, like sometimes what happens, it got mucked up, you know, during the uh, Christian versus pagan, you know, wars or whatever <laughs> that went on for centuries where everyone is trying to find out the worst things to write about each other to get the most people on their side. But, but um, astrology was always there to uh, benefit. It was about helping you to sink 
in time. And then later on here in America, primarily uh, with the advent of psychological astrology in the 19th century, and then, you know, comes back really at the time that I began practicing is what was called humanistic astrology, the idea of untapping your potential, that your chart was like a roadmap of your soul. And so if you work in harmony with that, you know, you can live your best life ever, you know, and, and that's actually an American um, uh, concept. Uh, and so, so, so that gets, gets woven in there. Oh, I love that so much. I thought that, you know, your writing style is so beautiful. I, I really just loved reading your book so much. And one of the things that I loved a lot about it was, you know, the fact that you really made it clear that astrology doesn't tell you what to do, but it tells you when to do it. So kind of like you were talking about being able to navigate, you know, the challenges or, you know, being able to take advantage of when, you know, you have fortuitous opportunities coming your way. One thing that I learned um, from reading your book as well was how, when it's your time, when it's your birth period or the round the time that you were born, it's actually a really empowering time for you. And then six yes. months later, it's almost the complete opposite. And I thought that yes. was so fascinating. I'd never really thought about like that before. Do you use that yes. in your life? Like, do you go, okay, it's my birth month. This is when I need to, you know, put my seeds in the ground. All the time. <laughs> yeah. um, although putting the seeds in the ground is in the quarter before your birth. Okay. Uh, uh, Everything is grow is ready to harvest at your birth. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's right. It's coming forward. And then you want to, well, basically, okay, let's, let's, uh, your, your sun sign, let's start. Everyone pretty much knows what their sun sign is or star yeah. sign, I think is the other way that it's talked about. Okay. This is the period of time when the, and, and, and remember, I'm going to talk about when the planet is in. And when I talk about when the planet is in, what I want you to imagine is that in astrology, everything is seen from the earth's point of view. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean that people believe that, you know, the sun and all these things orbited us or whatever. And there were some theories in ancient Greece in which, you know, that wasn't the case. But anyway, everything is seen from the Earth's point of view. So when you think of a sunrise and a noon and a sunset, you're, you're, you're seeing th that's what it looks like the sun's doing, right? It's, it's moving yeah. across the sky, you know? Well, that same path that the sun moves across the sky is the same path that the moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn are going to be moving across right. the sky. Okay, so think of zodiac signs. Of, well, imagine for a moment a clock, okay? And the only thing you can see on the clock are the 12 numbers of the clock. Now, if I were to ask you, Lauren, what the time, what, what time it is, okay, and you saw the face of a clock and you only saw 12 numbers on it, would you be able to tell me the time? No, I'd be like, where's the hour hand? Where's the minute hand? Right, right. So the zodiac signs never move, but the hands of that clock are the planets. They're in constant motion. And this is what astrologers right. are using to tell time is to see, you know, what, what, where, where the uh, planet has moved. So this is basically how um, astrologers look at these things happening. Now, if we go from a clock to a calendar, right? And clocks and calendars are not the same thing. You know, um, a clock can tell us the time of day, but a calendar can yeah. I mean, now they've kind of fused them together into, you know, whatever. But back when calendars and clocks were separate, you know, the, this, this is what they did. So, so when the sun is in your own sign, your birthday, it's an easy way of remembering it. That's you in season. That's you at the height 
of your um, of, of your energies or your powers, so to speak. And that applies to the sign before you, your own sign, and the sign after. This is you in season, okay? Mm -hmm. This is when you want to bring things to fruition, okay? Uh, uh, the fruits never looked riper and the vegetables more flavorful than when you're in season. So you apply that yes. same thing to your, to your astrology chart. When the sun is opposite you in the sky, like for instance, Lauren, you told me you're an Aries. Is that okay for yes. me to say? Oh, yes, on, yes. Out of yes. you as an Aries? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so, so when the sun is in Aries, this is, this is Lauren at Lauren's most fabulous. Okay. Yes. But when the sun is in Libra, which is six signs away from Lauren's birthday or six signs, uh, six signs away from Lauren's birthday or six months away from Lauren's birthday. Okay. Cause Libra's late September, October. Yeah. Um, that is the sun at its weakest because it's furthest away from you. Okay. It's furthest away from where you came in at, right. at the at the beginning of your life okay so your solar energy isn't as strong you could almost think of it as dusk you know it's it's not as strong so then you just quarter off the rest of the year uh the uh signs which are uh, three signs in front of uh aries on the zodiacal order which would be capricorn would actually be when you want to plant your seeds and the sign which is three signs after uh, Aries, which is Cancer, is when you really want to bring everything in for an ending and or for a landing. And then you kind of like want to, you know, let things be as the sun's moving through the opposite sign. So this is where the calendar, the cosmic calendar, according to your chart, shifts according to each person's sign. So we're actually living in time, which we all live in, but it also reminds us that time lives inside of us. And so it's the idea that we each came in at a different time. And so we're living according to that calendar or that imprint. And that's what the astrological chart can do. Yeah, I love that so much. And I understood that I think so clearly, you know, for the first time, probably when I was reading your book, it, it was as though it was given to me in a way that I could understand it. And I went, this makes so much sense, because I think that sometimes we forget that, you know, even if we hone in on those major things like, okay, the month before your birthday, the, the month of, and the month after is a great opportunity for you to put things in motion. I mean, it's so right. helpful for me to know the opposite is true as well. Like maybe I won't do a book yes. launch in September, right. for example. Not a good idea. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and see if, what I think you're also hearing is that it's not like it's faded. No, you no, know, no one's saying, Okay, Lauren, you're fated to a disastrous book launch in September if you do it or something like that. It's like the weather, you know, it's like, eh, it might not be a good idea to do a book launch at this time of year, you might want to wait, you yeah. know, until this. So, so there's this idea of living in time, you know, I found that over the years clients um, you know, when I would sit down with a client and a lot of times what happens in a read, I'm, let's face it, no one comes for a reading if they're in a good mood, okay? They come to for a reading of things that go I'm at a loss. basket. Or, right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, or if things are very, very, very difficult. But one of the things that I would notice, you know, because when I was starting out, you feel like, you know, as an astrologer, you know, like, I have to have an answer or something profound or something like that, you know, and, and then over the years, I've been doing astrology for 30 plus years, sorry, but, um, you know, you learn things like to listen and to take in and to be there for your client. 
But one of the things that I would notice is that people would know that they're going through a bad time, but then they would want to know how long is it going to last? Right. You know, and so when I could say, okay, this is going to be like this for X amount of weeks or months, this might be like this for a couple of years, you know, it'd be like a couple of years, but you know, then we would break up where the lighter points in those two, in those years would be and the more challenging points. When they got a sense that there was a timing to it, not a reason, not a purpose, not a meaning, but a timing to it. You know, it's going to be, okay, cloudy over my horoscope for this period of time, and then there's going to be a break in the cloud cover. I could see them really relaxing. You know, because again, like in ancient civilizations, that sense of continuity, that not everything in life is meandering or, or, or by chance, but that there's an actual continuity. This is something that, you know, um, I learned about astrology through the practice of it. And of course, you know, and, and thankfully they would come back and report later, you know, that, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, how, how it had worked out. So if people know that it's not always going to be like this, and even when it's going to be lighter, maybe more intense and then lighter again, yeah. that brings a lot of solace. Yeah, I was going to say it, it allows people an opportunity to plan a little bit more, you know, to kind of yeah. be prepared to to not overextend if they know that there's a, a challenging time that could be on the horizon to make sure they're nourishing mm -hmm. themselves and, and take those measures. So you've kind of talked there a little bit about the seasons. I am interested in now going into the conversation a bit about modes. So one of the things that you talked about, I found in your book, the cosmic calendar were about a bunch of things that I didn't really pay much attention to before, like modes, the importance of knowing whether you're a day or a night birth. Uh, the uh, right. your elemental makeup. So I know we're going to get into that discussion today. So can we go into the discussion a bit about what a mode is and why it's important? Okay, I know. Does it mode? It sounds so <laughs> FM radio. Like what's my mode? <laughs> exactly. What's my mode? <laughs> I know. I love that word because um, of that. Oh. Um, what a moat does is that it breaks up a season. Okay, so we're used to thinking of the seasons as spring, summer, fall, winter, right? Um, and, and in astrology, you have 12 zodiac signs. And so you're going to have three signs per season, okay? Right. So the fact that you were a, a spring sign is gonna be very different if you're an autumnal sign. Now remember, and, and I apologize for this, this comes out of the Mediterranean in the Northern hemisphere. So you know, you, you may have to make some adjustments and, and things yeah. like that. But basically, this is where these sketches um, or these portraits of the signs come from. And so the idea is that with every season, you have a cardinal sign, a fixed sign, and a mutable sign. Okay, every season will be divided into those three. Let's take um, the first quadrant, or let's take what we call spring, my apologies, but uh, let's take what we call spring, which would be Aries, Taurus, and uh, Gemini. A cardinal sign is a sign that's connected to an equinox. Equinox refers to equal day, equal night in a calendar, or a solstice. Solstice means sun still. Okay, it means the sun is standing still in the sky. Okay, so equinoxes, equal day, equal night, are associated to Aries and Libra. And the solstices, when the sun has gone as far as it can go, um, and then it starts coming back again, 
is associated to Cancer and Capricorn. So the cardinal signs are the signs that are basically what I call the unstoppable forces. They're not gonna take no for an answer. They come in, they start a season and they initiate it. And so the cardinal signs in your life uh, an Aries, a Cancer, a Libra, and a Capricorn initiates things. They do it in four very different ways, by the way. Okay, they do it in four completely different ways, but they are the ones who initiate. Okay, unstoppable force. A fixed sign is the sign that's at the heart of a season. Okay, so um, Taurus is the heart of spring for us here in the north. Um, Leo is the heart of summer. Uh, Scorpio, the heart of autumn. Aquarius, the heart of winter. So the fixed signs are the absolute expression of that season. This is, you know, the essential it. Um, and they are what I call the unstoppable, uh, they're what I call the immovable objects mm. to counteract the unstoppable force. So the, so the fixed signs always say no before yes. Okay. Mm. So Cardinal is like, I'm marching on, I'm marching on in. And the fixed sign is like, no, <laughs> you know, speak to the hand paw or whatever. And you know, what's so <laughs> fabulous about yes. that, Chris, is when you think about it in terms of people, you're like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's why I don't get along with so-and-so. Cause I'm Cardinal. They're fixed. Oh, I get it. Right. Now. The last thing, the, the last thing you want to deal with, right? The last thing you want to deal with is someone who's not doing what you want. Yeah, you know. But again, that's going to be equally applicable to people to Cancer and Libra, which are two signs that people don't think of that way. And and guess what? It's very much applicable to a Cancer and a Libra. They just have different ways of getting what they want. Right. Okay, so a fix is no before yes. Okay. And what you always have to do with a fixed sign is give them a little time to think it over or whatever. And then like, they'll be like, well, maybe, you know, and then that's when you, you know, pursue your point or, or whatever you want to accomplish or achieve. Then every season closes out with a mutable sign. Okay. So let's take Aries followed by Taurus, Gemini. Okay. The mutable signs are the accommodators. Okay, they're the ones who are like, well, maybe if we could do a little this, little that, little this, little that, they're the ones who are figuring out a way to make it work. They're flexible, they're changeable. And what this comes from is that they are bicorporeal, bicorporeal, which means double-bodied. Okay, now you see that obviously with Gemini and Pisces, because you've got the twins, okay, yes. and Pisces, you have the two fish. But Bicorporeal also refers to Sagittarius, which is the human torso and the horse body. Oh. And then Virgo, especially as she appears in star maps, where it's a woman, but she has the wings of an angel. Okay. So, oh, so it's a mixture of the two bodies, okay, that, that appear. And what that was referring to is that you're moving sort of one, from one season to another, or you're transitioning from one season into another. So these are the signs that can look for, that can look backward and look forward. Okay. They're, they're, they're mixing the two because what would life be if we were always being smashed between unstoppable forces and to movable objects, we need that flexibility. Yeah. And this is what the mutable signs are. They introduce the flexibility and they look for ways to make this situation work either by being you know, really technically brilliant or appeasing someone or introducing some humor into the situation like a Sagittarius would. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. they're the ones who are like, 
listen, this isn't make or break. We can, you know, we can do this, we can do that. And those are the mutable signs. And then you begin the next season with the cardinal and then you repeat cardinal fixed, mutable, cardinal fixed, mutable, cardinal fixed, mutable. Oh, wow. That's so cool. And see, even the way that you've described it right there, I know that our listener at home is going, oh, that makes so much sense. I'm understanding this. One of the things that I also understood from your book, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, was also the importance of knowing whether or not you are a day or a night birth. Now, I know that in your book, you did mention that if you don't know the time that you're born, that's okay. That a lot of astrologers were you 12 o'clock as kind of the, the time. But if you do right. know whether or not you're a day or a night birth, that actually gives you a whole bunch of information as well. Can you talk on that a yes. little bit? Absolutely. Um, the, uh, the reason the sun plays such a strong role in Western astrology is because we have a solar-based calendar, which was created by Julius Caesar, okay? Uh, the Julian calendar, uh, which was the status quo calendar until the Gregorian calendar. It was rectified by Pope Gregory and, and turned into the Gregorian calendar, which is the one we all live by here in the West. It's still sun based on the equinoxes and solstices mm -hmm. in the east it's all lunar based and indeed astrology and its origins uh in babylon which is modern day iraq um it's lunar based you know so persia which has an extraordinary influence in astrology it's lunar based um and so in those aspects the moon was given much more say than the sun um so when we step away from, I'm just going to be solar based because I'm, you know, Western <laughs> type of thing. Um, if you have a chart, which is a day chart, that means that um, if you're looking at your chart, it's really simple. Um, actually, you can look at the time. <laughs> it's like 10 a.m. It's a day chart. <laughs> but anyway, if you want to be more visual, <laughs> um, if you look at the, if you look at the horizon line, think of it like the equator, it's going right across the horizon. If your sun is above that horizon, you are a daytime chart. If the sun is below that horizon, you are a nighttime chart. Now, a daytime chart is pretty much what we would understand. You're like, the sun's out, look at me, okay. But if you are a nighttime chart, the moon plays an equal role. And in some cases I've seen a much more powerful role than even the sun does, okay. Yes, and, and so you really have to give the moon as much um, weight as the sun when you're reading it. But for instance, if the sun's below the horizon and the moon is above it, like with a full moon, if you were born under a full moon or a moon that, you know, uh, and, and you're a nighttime chart, then that moon may actually be much more dominant than even the sun sign quality. So that's something that I recommend that people sort of yeah. play around with, you know. And, and, and that would make sense if someone's like, I never connect with my sun sign or my sure. astrology. It's like, okay, well, that could be because you're more, your moon is more prominent in your chart. When that happens in a reading, I'll drop into the moon and all of a sudden I'll be like, oh yeah, no, that right. You know, and it's like, and so that's when I've started really, um, over the years began giving more credence to those nighttime births, those nighttime mm -hmm. charts, because the moon played a, a very powerful, very powerful role. Yeah, that's so fascinating. One of the things that we haven't gone into yet are, is your elemental makeup. Now, when I was reading yes. about your elemental makeup, 
I, I remember I was reading a book a little while ago and the author was talking about how it's so important to have a balance of all the elements to have the most enriched life. And so I'm curious about what the elemental makeup is exactly. And, you know, in general, are people sort of balanced? Do they have that nice balance or are they maybe not as balanced like me? We looked at my chart earlier. I had, tend to have a lot of fire. So is that pretty common or is the other common? Um, my, whenever I hear, you know, for a more balanced life, I, I always want to say good luck with that. You know, <laughs> it's like no one has... <laughs> No one has this perfect chart or well-balanced chart or life, okay? It's like, it doesn't happen, okay? And, and so to sort of go for, you know, and then there's this whole idea of like, well, I need to incorporate more of this to find my balance and things like that. And I mean, again, do I say you? good luck with that. But yeah. Yeah, it's like, A, do you really want it? And B, what does that even look like? And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would that even feel like you because yeah. you know if you've got for instance a chart which is really fiery you're going to recognize fire in another person right and that's yeah. going to be something that you're going to be sympathetic to okay it's something you're going to desire and want to be around you know it's not necessarily going to be the other elements or you know and, and then even right. some books are, are kind of like well you need to balance these because vegetables are good for you you know type of thing and it's just <laughs> i i i I celebrate the unique elemental chemistry of every chart, you know, and um, that's the thing that I really think is fantastic and, and, and lovely. And if you've got too much fire or, or not enough air or something like that, those are wonderful things. And, and, and as a reader, that gives me something to describe, you know, to you or, or describe in the way that you approach things in your life. You know, yeah. because if you've got a lot of water in your chart, you're not going to approach things the way that someone with a lot of uh, fire is going to and, and, and vice versa. And is that because um, a lot of water, for example, tends to be a lot of emotion, whereas fire is not? Just seeing your comparison there. It, it, it's funny. They're emotional two very different ways. Okay. <laughs> water. Okay. The water signs are Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces, right? Water is deeply emotional. Okay. And, and the elemental scale goes uh, water followed by earth going up the ladder. So water at the lowest, earth next highest, air, and then fire on top. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with evolution. You know, fire signs aren't like greater, you know, more greatly evolved than water is or anything like that. But the ancients were trying to do was describe the characteristics of the elements themselves. Okay. It's the nature of water, for instance, to go down. It rains, right? It pours. If you have a leak, it will find the lowest point in your house to announce itself or, or to appear. Yeah. Okay. So, so water has always been associated to depth. You stand at a beach, you look out at an ocean, but you can't see the depth, how everything goes down or how far down it actually goes. So water was always connected to the soul and soul depth, okay? Mm -hmm. So for the water signs, or if you have strong water in your chart, you have very powerful memory. You have very powerful um, sense of the past. Your feelings are felt. They're not talked about, explained, or analyzed. They are felt. Okay, so as if you have strong water, you respond to what is sympathetic to you, you have great compassion, you have great empathy, but your interior life is really important. Your dreams are important, your imagination is important. 
okay? And so you're always going to go with what you feel. And if you have really strong water in your chart, you're not gonna talk about what you feel. You feel it, you know, mm -hmm. and you figure out the people who are vibing into it and getting it and the people who aren't, <laughs> you know? So, so the water signs are deeply feeling, they're very empathetic, but the great irony about a water sign is the more water, the least you're going to show it, okay? Because it's all going on underneath. How much, if we're look, if we're staying on a beach and we see out to the ocean, how much do we know of the drama of whales and squids and what's going on with that school of, you know, uh, tuna? Nothing. We don't yeah. see it. It's a whole separate world. And this is the water signs. It's a whole separate material world. Fire. Fire is at the top of the elemental scale because it's the nature of fire to burn up and out. Okay, this is what fire does. It doesn't want to be quenched or subsumed or subdued. Now, the fire that the ancients were talking about wasn't just, you know, a torch fire. They were talking about the stars in the night. Okay, they looked out at the stars of the night that looked like suns. Okay, and they thought to themselves, wow, that is the magnificence of fire. So fire, fire goes up, like up into the heavens up. Yeah. And it was always connected to the, to the spirit. And even when we describe someone as being spirited, we describe someone as being excitable. If someone's spirited, they're excitable. They get passionate. They get loud or animated. You know. Yeah. And this was always connected to fire. So when it comes to like an emotion, water will feel emotion. Fire will express the emotion. You'll, right. They'll say exactly what's going on and you'll know in an instant. Um, but then that emotion might not necessarily stay. They might be on to the next you know, thing. Yeah. And so where water, that emotion languishes, it, it, in some cases festers, you know, soaks, fire is just kind of like next, next idea, mm -hmm. next moment, next outrage or next love affair, you know, type of thing. So, so the elemental makeup can be very, very different between, for instance, those two elements. Fabulous. So what about the earth and the air signs in relation to that, feeling their emotions? Okay, um, Earth uh, is emotional, you know, the, the register, what's going on, but, but, but water, if you remember that three quarters of the planet is water, most of our bodies is made up of water. So mm -hmm. water is, you know, so if you throw land masses down on top of that watery world, that's Earth. So Earth is all about separating, being apart, being different. Okay, um, so it's just like continents are, are, are different. You know, you can't just sort of like, you know, if we're here in America, we can't just walk on over to Australia and say hi, you know, or, or something like that. You know, these things like distance, okay, which is earth, you know, far versus near, this is earth. Earth is very um, 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 aware of the discrepancies, the differences. This isn't the same thing as that. This is worth more than that, or this is close and this is far, or this is warm and that is cold. So earth is living through the body. So it's registering things like temperature and age and economic advantage and owing a lot, you know? So, so earth is very much about the big motive for an earth sign, and the earth signs are Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, is how do I live in a world where everything ultimately falls apart? 
this is the thing that drives the earth signs, okay? Um, they are aware that time is passing, money's being spent, that the food in the back of your refrigerator is going to spoil and expire one day. So they're going to eat it up, you know, <laughs> save costs, make sure that they used it. So, so earth is very much about securing its corner of the world, putting a roof over your head and a bed to call your own and sheltering, providing and protecting oneself and the people you love and care about. So earth signs build up the walls and the boundaries and the barriers, okay? And that's to protect their interests. You know, water signs are like, why do we have to have boundaries or barriers? We're just all, you know, flowing into each other. And earth signs like, yeah, that's great, but stay on your side of the fence and we're good. <laughs> you know? so, so the earth signs are the shelterers and the protectors. They're also the builders and the makers. Earth signs have to create something physical or get something physical at the end of the day. So it has to be like, here's a project with all my notebooks or I did this service and now you have to pay me. Okay, so that idea of you know uh, building up their resources so that they can feed, sleep, clothe and take care of themselves is very, very important. So that's a very earth thing. So emotions are definitely felt, but they're also protected. Um, and they're also prioritized. Water signs don't always prioritize the emotions. Earth signs prioritize them. I love you more than you, okay? Or <laughs> I, couple, I, 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 I couple with you and build property and money. Whereas if I go through lots of divorces, I owe a lot of money. <laughs> okay, so this is the way that the earth sign is gonna see it. Interesting. And so where does air fit in with all of that then? Uh, so you've got water and then you've got earth on top of water, you know, like if you're on a boat, you can see a shoreline on an island and that's earth, that island. Air is above, okay, air is the bird's eye view, air circulates, it's the atmosphere, it's what we all breathe above the water, okay. So air looks down at the land masses and sees all the separateness and, and, and separation and distance and things like that. And air says, well, no man or woman is an island, everyone is connected. So the air signs are all about relationship, okay? These are the bridge builders of the zodiac and the air signs are Gemini, Libra and Aquarius. So they're the ones who are most concerned with coordinating efforts and how we all get along. You know, it might surprise some people to hear that this would be such a big thing for Gemini, but rules and laws are very important to the air signs, okay? Um, following the rule and law and obeying the rule and law is very, very important. Geminis aren't really known for that, but that's only because they never saw a rule that they couldn't bend. Okay. <laughs> the whole idea of like rules and laws is very important. Speech and language is important to an air sign. Okay, so with an emotion, okay, or let's say you have an issue or difficulty in a relationship, air signs will sit down and talk about it. They wanna talk about it. They wanna have a conversation. They wanna know what your thoughts and feelings are, analyze and di digest and really discuss and pick it apart and unpack it, okay? Oh. This is hell to a water sign, okay? <laughs> this is absolute hell to a water sign. It's like, you know, if I have to analyze my feelings, I feel like we're desecrating the moment, you know, which was really sacred or <laughs> sentimental or special to me. Get out of my business. You know, and, and, and then the air sign's like, well, 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 listen, water sign who's not good with articulating your feelings. Maybe that's what not what you meant to say. Maybe what you meant to say is that the air signs will start fiddling around with the other person's language and word choice and things like that. And that just makes water signs like a fish out of water. They, they just, they, they, 
they, they can't articulate. They don't know right. what to say. And so the air signs are very cerebral, but more than cerebral, they're really good with words and they trust the word. If an air sign gives you their word, that's a pledge. That's a bond. I give you my word. It's never going to be broken. Okay. But just because an air sign gave you their word doesn't mean that there aren't contingencies, adjuncts, exclamations, certain clauses, certain subclauses. <laughs> it could be interpreted this. It could be interpreted that. Okay. Okay. That's air sign. <laughs> That's so fascinating. They will shave it down to the finest semicolon. <laughs> I mean, like they, they really will get into the words with that. Yeah. You know, it's so awesome to hear you describe all these signs. And then for me to know some of the signs of the people that are close to me and go, oh, that makes so much sense now. That makes so much sense. And, you know, I guess it makes sense as well that when you are paying attention to, you know, the elemental makeup of a person, whether or not they are born day or night, you know, obviously there are sun signs, there are moon signs, rising signs, which we'll talk about in a few minutes here, how you can kind of see at a glance, whether or not you're going to be able to have a harmonious life or friendship or relationship with a person like that. Yeah. Well, what's also helpful is what if you're not going to have a harmonious life with that person, but you have to still deal with that person. Yes. You know, I mean, what's the beauty of astrology is that it teaches that every horoscope has their own point of view. Okay. They have their own point of view of yes. what, what the world is and their own temperamental makeup. You have to let a fire sign get pissed off. That's their way of burning up the resentment. Okay. You can't mm. be like, shh, shh, no, keep it down. Keep it down. No, give them the five minutes it takes, you know, for them to have a huge, for meltdown okay because guess what on the other side of that they're going to be fine right fire signs burn it off okay they're going to be absolutely fine but don't go after the waters are sign the water sign is just not there they're trying to retreat they're trying to go someplace else to just kind of like get themselves back together so let them disappear behind the door let them go into the other room let them go out for a nighttime walk because when they come back might be in an hour, it might be the next day, depends on how much you really piss them off. <laughs> they might've gone back to mom's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but when, when they re-emerge, okay, they're going to be present again, okay? So, so when you understand the elemental thing, you understand, you know, you don't tell an air sign to shut up, okay? You don't, yeah. th th that doesn't, that's not going to translate to them. Air signs insist on conversation, you know, and, and, and don't go and try to use an earth sign, you know, or, or, or say that they're overly materialistic or so, something like that, because you're going to offend the earth sign. They, they've committed their life to providing, protecting, and sheltering. Do you honor this about them? Do, do you value this about them? This is what they care about, you know? So, so if you can sort of understand the different um, ways that uh, the elements respond, that can actually allow you to talk to people that you might not get, you know, in a way that at least they would get. And that's what allows you to have some kind of relationship, whether it's personal or, or, or professional. You know, you kind of feel listening to you that, well, at least I, I feel that, you know, this stuff needs to be 
taught word school and taught in, you know, in sessions where people learn about how to deal with conflict resolution and how to deal yeah. with difficult personalities in the workplace and, and things like that, you know, why isn't this sort of stuff a little bit more common? Is it because it seems sort of airy fairy still, or, you know, is I it think more it's common? Becoming, yeah. It's a lot more common now. I mean, like, I mean, you know, in my lifespan, I've seen it go from, you know, hippies in the hate ashbury do astrology when they're not doing drugs, you know, to sort of like my past lives and I'm downloading Ramtha or an alien intelligence to, you know, the yeah. late nineties and turn of the century when it was like Christianity, everything was like Jesus and Christ and the end of the world's coming and the rapture and all this kind of stuff. And then what, didn't we have the Mayan prophecies? They were thrown yeah, in there for yeah, a while. There, yeah. there. And then astrology went digital or whatever. But now astrology right now is something which is embraced on all platforms and all sorts of different generations. And it's talking to people in all sorts of different ways, which in my opinion makes astrology one of the most beautiful things that our civilization has ever created because it, it's not gonna be dogmatic like a religion. You know, it's not gonna insist mm -hmm. that you believe this or you're exiled, you know? And it's not going to like uh, be, you know, what can happen with science? Amoralistic, <laughs> you know, completely without morals. Like, so what if we didn't tell you about the VD experiment we were doing on your bodies? It served science, you know? I mean, astrology has always been person to person. You know, mm -hmm. it's been, uh, it, it's decolonized. It changes with every generation that comes on in. The remarkable thing is that it's very consistent but it's also very adaptable and flexible. Mm. But um, a lot of those things that you're talking about actually came out of astrology, but you know, no one ever gives astrology credit or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, it's, it's, but the fact that we're so very much, I mean, it's more than in vogue. I mean, astrology is very much here and it's inspiring. Yeah. And it's always inspired. I mean, like Carl Jung was inspired by astrology and astrology really, did a lot for the way that he practiced therapy. And so it lives on in his type of, of therapy in Carl Jung. So it's it's really affected and impacted people much more than is maybe recognized or, or just simply known. Mm. Yeah, it's so good. And even when we're talking now, I'm, I'm realizing that the one-on-one -on -one clients that I have that I, I get them to do their love signs and their disc profiles and things like that. But I'm going to ask, I'm going to start asking them if they can do their chart. And by the way, for our listener at home, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but Chris's website is awesome. You need to go and check it out. You can also download your, um, your full chart on his website for free. It's awesome. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, but yeah, it's starting to make me realize that there's all these depths to people that if you can understand them, like we've been talking about a little bit more than you can build that rapport. One of the things that I yeah. learned um, reading uh, the cosmic calendar was when you talk about sun signs, you kind of said that sun signs are what you know about yourself. Moon signs are how you feel and rising signs are what you show the world. So we've talked quite right. a lot about sun signs. I know that's quite popular. We've talked about moon signs in the sense of, you know, whether or not that plays a part if you're a night um, birth as well. But can we talk a little bit more about moon signs in relation to how you feel? And then can we talk about rising signs as well? I know you, you mentioned, sure. um, yeah, you've mentioned that before. So I'd love to hear a little bit about it. Moon signs are very fascinating, and they're a whole, <laughs> they're a book, <laughs> quite frankly, but 
Um, the moon sign is basically um, the moon in your chart is your your feeling life, but it's also your restoration. You know, it's 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 where you go when you're upset. Mm. You go to the moon, okay, and um, it's 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 where you sleep. Um, it's how you unpack, how you relax as a person. You know, it's where you get to be your private self. It holds your memories, your history. It rules your body. The moon has always ruled the body. Mm. Um, and, and it also rules a sense of place, you know, your rootedness or unrootedness in, in life. There was an old Neoplatonic belief. Um, I always loved it. Uh, and it also comes up in Orlando Furioso, or, or that's the opera, but Orlando, who is a big medieval um, uh, character. But um, where, when you slept, when you went to sleep, you know, and, and, and sleep plays such an important role in Asclepius. It plays such an important role with the three wise men who the angel comes to them in a dream. You know, uh, the idea of sleep, not just prophecy, but the communication in sleep that goes on between the yes. invisible world and the waking one. Yes. Um, but the Neoplatonists had this idea that when we went to sleep, our souls left us. You know, our souls left our, our, our bodies and they would fly up to the moon, you know, and in the moon, they would bathe in these waters, in these ponds, in these pools, and they would sort of bathe and take off the crud of the day or the heat of the day or the anxieties of the day or what you were carrying around. And they would reflect, they would replenish, they would refresh themselves in these lunar waters. And then when the sun was rising on a new day, they would race back down these, these, these souls, these disembodied souls would race back down to find their body, you know, and come back into their body just as the eyes were, were waking up on a new day. And what they would say is that the dew that you saw on the grass or on the lawn was the water of the soul, you know, that, that it had, you know, shaking off the waters of the soul was the dew on the grass or on the leaves, you know, as it was racing to get back mm. into its body. And so the moon is this beautiful restorative planet, you know, that carries our soul. And, and so, it's not just the sign that the moon is in, but it's the relationship of the moon to your sun, because that's going to tell you what lunar phase you were born under. You know, yes. are you a new moon? Are you a first quarter moon, waxing moon? Are you a full moon? Are you a fourth quarter or a waning moon? Are you balsamic? Are you... Um, uh, sanguine, you know, I mean, there are all these different um, phases of the moon. So it's not just with, with the sun, you've got the sun, you know, doesn't change its light. It, it, it doesn't change its light. It's, it's day or night, you know, but yeah. with the moon, it's like, was she building an energy? Was she releasing an energy? Was she at full? Was she, you know, not seen, you know, so you have the phases of the moon and what lunar phase also plays into the sign that your moon is in along with whether it's a nighttime chart or a daytime chart. So the moon just has so much rich uh, material in an astrological chart. Wow, it's so powerful. And I guess when you think about it, you know, it makes so much sense. I, I remember um, hearing about how emergency rooms and things like that, you know, they go off when it's a full moon. People tend to get a little bit crazy so it would make sense that yeah it would make sense that 
the moon affects so much. Plus the moon affects the tides and we're full of, you know, 90% water or whatever it is. So right. it makes sense right. that we should be paying attention to how the moon affects us. So how would you, you know, kind of use the, the knowledge of the moon at the time that you were born to your advantage? Sure. Um, first of all, if like with the rest of the chart, you know, and it's all in the book, it's, it's very, it's, yeah. it's all in the book. So I don't want to get into a whole, you know, sort of thing, but because this part of the moon isn't in the book. So um you can align yourself to the lunar phase that you're born under, you know. Um, for instance, um, you know, I'm born just as the moon is coming out of the crescent, you know, so there's a kind of like, uh, I carry, I don't know if it shows, a sort of excitability and getting carried away with things. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Maybe just a little bit, which is pretty typical of that lunar phase, you know. Yeah. It's a sort of young, excitable, you know, ooh, you know, uh, type of lunar phase. So that's something that is going to tell me something about me. Um, I'm a sun in Capricorn. I'm a moon in Pisces. Okay, um, I take things seriously and deeply feeling, you know. But you could get that from the sun in Capricorn. You could get that from the moon in Pisces. But what you wouldn't get is that kind of excitable, like, oh, this is a fascinating, you know, thing that comes out. You wouldn't yeah. typically think of that with a Capricorn and a Pisces but you would if you're looking at a lunar phase. Right. Okay. So right. it just, it, it, it adds something else to, to, to the chart, mm. you know, type of thing. And so, you know, it might also say, for instance, that, you know, in the month or two following my birthday, these might actually be really powerful times for me. If I sort of emulate or mirror that in, that lunar phase, and then I put it into a solar context, how far the sun is away from, you know, my birthday. Okay, if it's two signs away from the birthday, that might be similar to the fact that my moon was two signs away from the sun, you know. So, so, so in, in a, a calendar that might emulate or, 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 or mirror that same idea. So mm. you can sort of, I, I don't know if I clarified it, but you can plug it into two different contexts there. Right. So does that kind of mean there's almost two different periods of time where you're at your, you know, most fabulous? Well, what, what you're also doing in astrology, and this is something that, you know, because a lot of times I know it can get, get complicated, you know, where's this planet? What's it doing to that other planet? Are they yeah. in the same house? Are they not speaking to each other? All these sorts of things. But what you can do when you start to really deep dive into a chart is that you look for things that confirm things, you know, um, if for instance, I have like an excitable personality that wants to go and try something new, you know, and that this could actually be placed in the calendar, like between the time when the sun is in Capricorn and the sun is in uh, Pisces, this might be really good for that, you mm. know, that gives me a confirmation. So I've now taken that information and then applied it into my personal calendar. Okay, so that's going to speak to me about, you know, the months from late December to, to just before, just before uh, Aries, you know, type of thing. And, and so I can plug that into the, into my calendar. And so you can take a device like that and, and work with that with your own chart, which is your own uh, calendar. Yeah. And I like that because, you know, kind of, you know, we're all living our own human experience or we're all souls living a human experience, but you, you know what I'm saying? We're all, you know, on, on this journey. 
And so it's interesting how, when you realize that your astrology, uh, your astrological chart is so customized to you and your path, uh, you know, why it's so important to understand it, to get the most out of your time here. Yeah. And, and that solar energy or that, that, that sun coming back at the birthday is so important. I mean, yeah. Um, you may have noticed that a lot of times people pass or, or die around their birthday or just preceding their birthday, or maybe even a little bit afterwards. And there's a reason for that because it's, it's the spirit that came into your body. Okay. So, so it's almost like it's waiting for that time when the sun has come back to the birthday so that it's kind of aligned to where it first came onto the planet, you know? So, mm -hmm. so if it came on down into your body and, 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 you know, turned on the lights, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like it's waiting to get back to the time when the sun is there again. So it can sort of shoot back up uh, into home. the stars. So there's this kind of like coming in and going out that's getting aligned um, between the chart and, 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 and the stars above, according to, to, to the sun placement that's, that's going on there. That's beautiful. It's like full circle. You get to go home again. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and isn't that nice? You can go home again. Yeah. <laughs> We're often told we can't, <laughs> but we can. Yeah. That's you so know, beautiful. Yeah. The ancients always saw us as children of the stars. I, there's a wonderful, I think it's from um, Manichaeism. Um, it's one of the Iranian, it's uh, that the stars were campfires that were burning in, in, in the heavens, okay? And out of these campfires would spit sparks, okay? And the sparks would spit out, you know, and they would sort of like hover there in space. And then they would be drawn down. They would be drawn down through the seven planetary spheres where they were each given a blessing or an attribute or, or something. And then they would arrive right in the baby as it was being born and its eyes opening. And the first cry out was that, that, that star fire coming in and clicking with the body wow. and turning on the lights, you know? So it just began to animate the body and the body would begin to live. So there was this belief that at the end of your life, that same spark of flame would leave and depart and go back up to where it where it came from so this was a you know this is something that sort of shows up in neoplatonism and gnosticism and and, and things like that but i always found it a, a lovely a lovely idea I think it's a beautiful idea and it's a beautiful visual as well. And uh, just for our listener at home, the way that Chris talks is also the way he writes. So if you are completely hooked like me with his stories and his use of word, um, you really need to get his books. All right, Chris. So we're kind of wrapping up to the end of our time together, but I do think it's important that we did, you know, quickly go into the concept of rising signs. I know you mentioned sure. um, that you're going to be working on a book uh, in relation to rising signs. So I'd like to see you summarize right. that in a couple of minutes. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> go to <do> it. <laughs> Um, the rising sign is your is the face of your horoscope. Okay. Now, in a pre-Zoom world, okay, when we weren't on Zoom as, as much as we were, you know, um, who looked at your face more during the day, you or other people? Other people. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so the rising sign is the face of the horoscope. 
Um, it is, it's how the chart expresses, not in a Mercury way or a lunar way or a Venusian way. It's how the, it's the face of the actual chart itself. So you can have um, a face that's wildly incongruous to who you are underneath. Okay, uh, we all know, you know, the beautiful person who's really, you know, a creep, or <laughs> the ugly person who has the noble heart, right? Yes. Well, it's that same idea that the, that the face of your horoscope may or may not be working in conjunction with your sun. Okay. And again, it's tied to the sun because it's the sign that's rising depending on where the sun was in that time of day. So a rising sign wants to rise up and it, 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 it is your face. Now, if your sun happens to fall in certain areas of your chart, which are harmonious with that rising sign, then it's expressing through its face and it's delightful and it's fine and it's harmonious. But not all areas of the chart are set up in that kind of a design with the rising sign. Um, sometimes, um, if the sun's just before the rising sign or after, there can be a bewilderment on the person's part as to who everyone's reacting to, you know, so, so people might be like, oh, oh, you're so lucky, you know, things happen to you so easily or whatever. But if, but the sign right next to that Leo, like for instance, a Virgo or Cancer, they don't see themselves that way at all. And so they're kind of wondering why everyone thinks they're so outgoing and easy and things like that when it's actually really tough and they feel like they're being ordered around. And you no, know, so, so that's just to sort of demonstrate that the sun doesn't always go with the rising, okay? Right. Uh, therefore, let's say you're born at the opposite time of day, okay, where, you're, where your sun is at sunset it's as far away from the rising sign as it can be or in the two signs you know that that flank that place you may have a very clear idea of who people are seeing you as but it may have nothing to do with who you are and you may be using that to your advantage or not <laughs> you know so so it can become a very curious relationship the rising sign with with the rest of the chart uh, how you present is not necessarily who you are. Yes. Um, and so it actually kind of interestingly begs questions about authenticity or is that a tool that you can use or you know, what happens when you don't play the role that people are, are, have, have associated to you because of your rising sign, you know, when you step out of that. You know, so, so it's very complex. Yeah, I can see that. And I guess when I was hearing you speak there, I was thinking a bit about self-awareness as well, that you, you kind of need to know whether or not you show up like the person people, whether or not you're showing up like the person you are or not. And you know, what came to mind there was that people always talk about resting bitch face. Some people have right. that and you know, they, I have it. If I don't smile, you know, I might look more neutral and not as animated, you know, which makes sense. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like when you're aware, whether or not your rising sign is, um, you know, in line with your sun sign, it allows you to overcompensate if you need to, I guess, if you're really just, giving off yeah. yeah, or not. Yeah. Well, uh, you could have a rising sign that's very in your face you know, uh, yeah. a rising sign that's like, okay, mano, mano, let's go at it. You know, you can have a rising sign that's super duper exuberant, you know, yeah. but how is a rising sign that's super duper exuberant going to go with a cancer or a Scorpio that wants its private time? Yeah. <laughs> so, it, 
and the thing is the rising sign is the rising sign is as powerful okay as the sun and the moon okay the other planets will work with the sun and the moon okay but the rising sign is third one on the triangle here okay so the rising sign is as powerful as the sun and the moon so it can bring up all sorts of things of like well, I thought you were a nice person, but all of a sudden I'm seeing this other side of you, you know, and, and, and someone might be like, well, that's who I am. Yeah. Is that you like know? the Jekyll and Hyde thing? If we were going to be, it could be know, a Jekyll and Hyde something. thing. Yeah. It can be, um, you know, uh, expectations, you know, some people really feel the burden of expectations more than other people do. That might be, that might rest more with their rising sign because the face is doing our interaction in a social situation. Yeah. You know, we enter, we enter a room and, you know, or we enter like, oh, you're going to reject me. So I'm going to be sorrowful, <laughs> you know, or do we enter a room like, darling, it's so wonderful to see you. Yeah. You know, it's like, I how arrived. do we enter? Okay. And right, and that's the rising, and it may be working with your sun and moon, or it may not. I mean, if you're your own sign rising, there's almost no self-awareness because there's no distance. You're, you are the face that you're always on. Yeah. Um, And so that can be very, that can leave a person feeling like there's no maneuverability, no no distance, no downtime, no whatever. I'm always, you know there i'm so exposed whereas if you're you know far away you might have like okay maybe i'll throw a smile here or you know (laughs) so so it can really it has a lot to do with you had a wonderful thing self-awareness has a lot to do with self-awareness it's important to become aware of your rising sign because it's how people are seeing you and responding to you and it may have nothing to do with your sun or even your mercury or even your venus yeah Wow, it's so good. How have you seen astrology change the lives of the people that you've worked with or even change your own life? In 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, 30 seconds. What I love is that it's an unfinished work in progress. You know, that it really is, you know, um, you know, people can get into it and it really does something for them. Uh, people can get into it for the time that they're into it and it does something for them. You know, it just really, it brings up, I was very fortunate because the woman who taught me was a humanistic astrologer. So she really came from that kind of point of view, that sort of holistic making it human point of view and she always insisted on that with, with me um carolyn as and she and i was very fortunate to have studied under her because you want to see the cosmos in the person you don't want to take the person and turn them into a cosmos with their chart you know right. you don't want to like look at all these different things and read the side of a cereal box and say does any of this you know or or go through the formulas that te- techniques it's what you want to do is see the person you you want to see god's image in front of you which is what astrology is teaching it's just like mm-hmm. we're we're you know if you're made in the image of god there's no one god or no one image you know it's 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 all of this and so it's composed of of all of these beautiful colors and shades and maybe it's a realistic painting or maybe it's a picasso or maybe it's cubist or maybe it's you know high renaissance you know but but the chart 
has these really beautiful, unique, you're never going to see them again attributes as they have collected into this person's life. And so bearing witness to someone's life, um, you know, I had a friend, I, I had a friend who was a huge couturier designer, you know, and I often likened astrology to those times when I got to sit in his studio and watch him drape a model. You know, it's like he had this concept, but that might not be, you know, he had to then drape the model and see what it looked like on her. And right. I would sit there going, wow, that's just like an astrology chart. I mean, because if you're being true to the chart, which is you don't know, but you're reading, it's like draping this fantastic model. You're seeing how it fits and falls and is worn by this person. And it just opens up this person's life to you. But again, astrology is never knowing the answers. It's always describing or, or telling or reading someone. And that's something that I think is, is an enormous, you know, just as a, a, as a moral thing to do, it's a good thing, you know, but also it, it teaches you this. It doesn't teach you so much an appreciation as you get to see and in the see and the reading, you have the appreciation. And that's something which is such, which is really exclusive to astrology, I think. It's beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. And it, it sounds like the person becomes realized in front of you in a way. Yeah. 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 You, they emerge. Yeah, they emerge. You know, and you're just like, you know, it's it's yeah. almost like, I don't know, the birth of a baby or something. You're like, oh, there you are. <laughs> Oh, that's so beautiful. Chris, thank you so much for your time. I just love talking to you. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to mention just before we wrap up? No, I think we, I, I, I think we had a lovely, I think Cara Burnett, thank you for our lovely time together. I'm so glad we got to have this time together as our theme song or whatever. Yes, it was yes, lovely. Me too. It was wonderful. So for our listener at home, just to let you know, you can download your chart on Chris's website. You can also get his books there. And he's also got a fabulous subscription. You want to talk about that quickly, Chris, as well as how people can oh, connect sure. with you? Sure. Uh, the website is called rulingplanets.com and um, I carry uh, daily and weekly horoscopes on it. Uh, you can also subscribe to it. It's $1.99 a month, uh, $22 per year. Uh, and basically it's based on my first book, Ruling Planets, uh, which talks about the planet that rules your chart. I work with it differently than other astrologers. I regard it as the planet that rules your sun sign. Um, it can be other things to other astrologers, but that's how it's regarded. And your ruling planet is kind of like your uh, corporate sponsor, den mother, patron saint, and life coach all wrapped up into one. So for instance, uh, 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 Lauren was born under Aries, so her ruling planet is Mars. Mm. So what's going to become important for Lauren is to know about her sun, her moon, her rising, but also her Mars and where her Mars is positioned. Uh, because where Mars is in the sky, it's either working for you. Your ruling planet is always on your side, by the way, but there are going to be certain times of years when it's more on your side than other times where it may not be as effective, you know, but it's still right. in your corner, you know, <laughs> getting you to go for it. So you can read all about your ruling planet um, through your subscription in the site, and you can read about what sign it's in and how your ruling planet gets along with other people's ruling planet. So there's a lot to unpack uh, with the subscription. You might also want to check out uh, ruling planets, Facebook, but also particularly my Instagram, which is 
Cheers. At Christopher Renstrom, all one word, at Christopher Renstrom. And there are daily horoscopes that show up there. And uh, what we also do is every Saturday, we do an IG Live or IGTV. Uh, we just finished up a two-parter on Chiron, so we'll, you know, we'll take something, and 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 me and Emily, who's my co-host, will, will both kind of like unpack that, and and then um, there's, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot. There, gosh, there's too much going on, honestly. No, <laughs> it's like, definitely great. Yeah, it's definitely great, and, and you're working on a new book as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fabulous. Well, Chris, um, I will put a link to all of that stuff in the show notes to make it easy for our listener at home. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. And I really hope that you'll come back on the show another time and we can, we can would love to. do a different focus. And um, yeah, that would be just wonderful. So thank you so much, my friend. Oh, thank you. Hi. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.